Why don't you break out the D20 and come in, play some D and me, oh baby. Mess around with nerves, we'll laugh until it hurts. Forget what your mama said, there's nothing wrong with play and dread. Although Pathfinder's a decent trade, we can break the masquerade. Have it your way. Sit down and play. Pick up a die. And ruin Finch's day. Hey! Uh, good morning, evening, and or afternoon. Uh, that was out of order. Uh, yeah, really? We are Vanish DM, the role-playing and gaming podcast. I am Anthony Finch. Uh, I am Leonardo DiCaprio. And I'm Brooksy. Uh, he is our... He was supposed to be our third member for the last one, but he never showed up. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> However, we have uh, now gone onto iTunes. So our first episode is now available on iTunes. This episode will be available on iTunes after some... Finangling. Fin- yes, finangling is a good word. Uh, we are That's currently good. using a uh, Google... Hangout, um, actually product. a Google Hangout broadcasting thingamajiggy, and insert we'll, product placement here. Yeah, we will probably be doing using. That we're it still not being screen. paid to use. Yep. So uh, give us money. <laughs> <laughs> Today's episode is going to be a, a feature on backstories. So backstories. For characters, I guess backstories for NPCs could qualify yeah. as well. And Just backstories in general. I mean, yeah. it's actually it's a good point to bring up because I feel that NPCs that have actual stories to them are uh, are very important and make for a much more interesting campaign. Actually, yeah. you and me just came up with a backstory for an NPC. We'll discuss this later, though. <laughs> yeah, um, so we're going to start out with our spotlight, as we are wont to do. And our spotlight is going to be a... Uh, discussion of some of our favorite characters' backstories that we've played. So, uh, I guess I can start Start us off, Vinchikus. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to talk about a character that I played for a Pathfinder campaign. Uh, I would give you his name, but he didn't know it, uh, which was (laughs) possibly the best part of the backstory. Uh, Basically, he was a pixie, and in this world, we ripped off some of the uh, pixie traits from Hackmaster, uh, and for those of you who don't know, Hackmaster best is... Best game ever. It is the really, best game. <laughs> it's, it's a really great game. It's a spoof on D&D, but it's a game that, that spoofs D&D. So they took all of the most complex parts of D&D and made them more complex and just threw them into this... The game is just system. designed to make everyone involved hate each other. It's like yeah. a Mario Party in tabletop form. Exactly. So uh, uh, the Pixies have a couple of interesting features, such as uh, in, in Hackmaster, such as the fact that they only live, I believe, to a maximum of about 15 years, but then they're re- reborn like seven times. So this was my Pixies' first time on um, Golarian, because we were using the Golarian setting, or however you say it. And um, he had decided that he wanted to be a wizard. So when he was two years old, uh, which for Pixie is actually, you know, that that's a, that's full fully grown. He went to uh, 
like a wizarding academy or school or whatever, and he was paired up with, because he was so annoying. He was given like the crazy ass master who kind of sat on the floor in nothing but his loincloth um, in the kitchens for hours at a day. So he spent maybe a week just sitting next to this guy who was completely insane and wouldn't speak to him. Uh, and then after after about a week or so, um, he, he, event, he eventually blew his top, said some things that he shouldn't have, and the master said, well, first of all, first off, may I have your name? And uh, because I have to have the names of any students that I teach. So of course, the pixie gave it to him. He goes, excellent. Takes him into his private chambers, sets up this ritual, and it's like you're gonna witness some. Uh, you're gonna witness some magic. It's like, ooh, yay! And then ten minutes later, he goes, what's your name? The pixie goes, what name? There's actually a spell in Pathfinder and D&D that can uh, make you forget all all parts or all um, aspects of, like, everything to do with one aspect of your life. So in this case, it was used on his name. And, That's uh, yeah, thereafter, the this guy um, barred him from speaking to anyone else, and for six months, he was basically just without a name. He kind of got pissed off, blew his top, left, and started traveling the world. I'm uh, having some issues imagining a very, very angry pixie. Yeah. I'm just imagining Tinkerbell stomping around a little fair. Uh, That's kind of like what it was. <laughs> Only he was also an illusionist. Uh, which, And as a pixie, he gets one free greater illusion per day, and he, and he has greater invisibility at will. So it was really hysterical. Um, but his most unique feature was whenever he met somebody... Um, and there was there, the 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 backstory was a bit more complex than this. There was there were reasons he couldn't go back to the, his pixie homeland and just find out what his name was. But anyway, um, whenever he met somebody, he would say, "May I have your name?" And he would pick out he would pick uh, up like a basically a spell book. He he converted one of his spell books into a name book, and he would just write people's names down. And then whenever anybody asked him for his name, he would say, "Well, do you want my full name or?" The do you want to know what you can call me? And if people said the full name, he would flip to the beginning of the book and start reading <laughs> off his names because they were all his. Uh, and by the well, by the beginning of the campaign, I started him off um, with you know a, a bunch of names um, that he had stolen, including Nay because he stole a horse's name. <laughs> he was that kind of character. Um, and he also spoke bird. So about ten minutes into the campaign, there were a couple. There were a couple of like really angry birds. Um, so he tried talking to them, and he you know asked their names, and they all they could all they knew how to say was hungry. So he got the name hungry twelve times. <laughs> then he stole the names of like several of the other party members. Um, but the but the really most interesting part of the character wasn't actually the name stealing. It was some of the more complex emotional parts of the background of, of his backstory, um, where he, the the only name that he had never intentionally not stolen was that of his dwarvish friend Torwar, um, and Torwar was this crazy dwarf. I, I like crazy characters, obviously, um, who had spent 
he he had been born on the surface uh, to some some dwarves because you know surface dwarves, and then he had been recruited to go into the the military beneath um, beneath the uh, the mountains to battle goblins. Um, but he wasn't the brightest bulb, so he wanted to remember what he was fighting for, and he had always liked flowers. So in order to remember the names of all the yes. flowers that he liked, he named his weapons after flowers, and then whenever he struck an opponent with them, he would cry out the name of his weapon, which was the name of a flower, and his warhammer was named Daisy. So every time <laughs> he hit somebody with his warhammer, he would scream, Daisy, Daisy, Daisy! And... He was a very interesting character, and they became best friends and traveled for a couple of years, and eventually he ended up being killed uh, in one of their uh, adventures together. He was killed by Tulip. <laughs> <laughs> you could say every rose has its um, thorn. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so Something about actually, a sunflower. Torwar actually ended up giving his name willingly to to this pixie, um, who always kept that name secret. He never he never read it out loud or anything like that. Um, unfortunately, and this is going to be something that I'm going to talk about later. Um, during the course of the campaign, uh, another another player um, who was who was totally in character when he did this, but he completely ruined the backstory because he he was a fairy noble. Um, he was playing a fairy noble and came in and said no bad. You're not doing that anymore. And he basically uh, forced my character to give up the stealing of the names and to give up like everything like that and renamed him Whiskey Smoke. Which was probably the most aggravating part of any campaign I've ever been in. Because it was such a fun backstory. I mean, it was a 20-page backstory. And it was such a fun character to play. And mm, it kind of got ruined. Um, but um, that's another thing that we should talk about later is uh, how to how to recover from a uh, character whose backstory has been resolved, or or you can make invincible backstories. Uh, yeah. Any so... uh, Brooksy boy. Yes. Talk oh, to my us. turn. Sure. Yes, it's your turn. Um, Say things. I'll go into one backstory, which leads into another. <laughs> okay. Because the first backstory is short. Um, okay. I was bored when trying to play a campaign and decided, hey, that dagger from Prince of Persia looks pretty cool. <laughs> God damn it. God damn. This is, we actually spoke about this uh, last during the last episode, uh, briefly. Yes. Go ahead. Yes, we did. Go ahead. Um, so my character was supposedly um, a carrier. He, he was um, an assassin. Uh, part of his family tree, and a dagger was how to ride a horse. <laughs> this dagger was passed down to him, and it was a really rusty dagger. It was really terrible. And one of his assassinating assignments was to go murder this um, woman who was a seer. And when he went up to her, she had her crystal ball and said, "Oh, you'll never be able to kill me in time." So when he goes to attack her, he stabs the crystal ball. The crystal ball activates time magic. Time magic goes into his dagger, and his dagger then sends him back in time to D and D land. <laughs> to D and D land. <laughs> Basically, that's how I determine it. But 
One of the things I forgot to realize was my character had a two in intelligence, <laughs> which is yeah. remarkably. I cannot believe it, but he was he was dumber than Gorunk by one point. But he was dumber with, than with racial mods. You actually managed to get below three, which in normal D and D isn't allowed. But we were uh, yeah, we no, a two. Game. I'm pretty sure that qualifies you as a vegetable. I thought yeah. zero was a vegetable. No. no. No, no. no. Zero is smarter than me. Zero is double lobotomy. No. If you, if you, if ability damage knocks you down to zero, you basically enter a coma. Um, it's a double lobotomy. Your brain has been removed from your skull. Yes. Well, um, I go through the campaign trying to use the dagger very terribly. Um, my character knew nothing, so I made him roll for everything. Do I know how to open a door? Let's see. Rolled two. <laughs> well, I don't know how to open a door. I do, do know, you know what door left is. is. Do you know what left is? <laughs> he I did rem- not remember what left was. It was beautiful. He got lost. Um, I'm sorry to interrupt. Well, yeah, actually, I'm, I am sorry this time. That's weird. Um, he was he was told to go down the he was asking for directions he was told to go down the road and make a left at this house and when he got down the road he did a check and he forgot what way left was so he ended up rolling dice and he went in the entirely wrong direction went into a stable and met another character that we had mentioned in the last episode I wasn't supposed to at all (laughs) I saw the horse and decided oh that'd be awesome do I know how to ride a horse rolled (laughs) I've seen people ride a horse, but don't know how to ride one, so I decided it shouldn't be too difficult. Asked the boy, can I borrow the horse? Boy said no. Decided, hmm, I could try and kill the boy or hide from the boy and steal the horse. Wanted to kill the boy. Decided I'd get in trouble for it. Hid in the bush in front of the boy. The boy said, what are you doing? I then jumped onto the horse backwards. The horse got freaked out. And, and ran out of the stable. And almost trampled <laughs> the boy. <laughs> and and the party uh, caster who was being... Which killed. was me. I, I almost died in that encounter. Uh, <laughs> the, horse that, that decides, <laughs> the horse decides to run towards the uh, tower that we were supposed to go towards in the beginning. Because it was right jumps, across the street. Jumps perfectly through a window into the kitchen... Walks it up the stairs. Kitchen? kitchen. What That's kitchen? Why. I thought he jumped through the window of the kitchen. No, it no. was a it, it was a reception hall kind of thing. It, it was basically just a ginormous living room. It wasn't like a house. house. It wasn't a house, guys. It was... No, I, I understand that, but I, I I lack a way to describe this. It, it, it was basically an entrance hall. Yes, there we go. Well, he jumped through the entrance hall window. Almost missed the window, by the way. I think, walks, I think he got it by, like, one point. Um, tr- uh, walked right past the guards, who were all baffled that a horse was in their building. Um, and they were up- attempting to kill you! Don't forget that part! They decided, were trying to murder your face in! Walked calmly up the stairs. As the caster walked through the window, saw me walking my horse up the stairs, and used his <laughs> teleporting magic to teleport the horse out from under me. <laughs> and then they tried to attack me because apparently they thought I was in league with you for stopping you. <laughs> um, Finch is a shitty DM. 
later on for getting in trouble for bringing a horse into the area and uh, one of their main people getting killed, them thinking we did it. Because clearly we are lepers. <laughs> Which is a whole Hello. thing we shouldn't get into. Hello. Oh. It was you guys. It was, no, it, it was, was not we. It was completely... your party. That's irrelevant. It was completely unconnected to us. They had no way of connecting us to it's that. It's not our fault that one of our character, our friends decided to have a character who had a rage. Her rage was they thought she that she into was a, a prostitute. And yeah, we, well, we, we talked about this briefly last time. Yeah, she so. raged into a prostitute, uh, raged into a leopard, and murdered she a guy. Raged into a prostitute. <laughs> when she she was told that she they thought that she was a prostitute, she raged out, killed him, ran off, and they thought it was us. We were put into a maze for our punishment, and in the maze, my character died. Long story Long. short, death happened. Kobolds violently molested his everything. Well, the DM decided he felt and our so bad for me. The DM? The DM. Actually, no, no, no. That one was entirely your fault. You bolted it around a corner into a group of kobolds. I was just... I was sitting at the corner debating whether or not I should help you or not. I decided not to. And they killed you until you were dead to death. Well... The DM decided, hey, I feel really, I was the really DM. bad. I know, I was seeing Finch whether or not you wanted to admit that. No, that's fine. <laughs> I think Finch I already I, I think I already kinda gave that one away. Yeah. Well, Finch felt bad for me. This is how I took it. And he said, Well, a cobalt killed you. I think hmm. we just did it because it was funny. Do you want to play as this cobalt? I started. Do you want to play the rest of the game as you know the the rest of the night as this kobold, so that you don't have to like just sit there? Yeah. That was so Made much fun. it the best backstory ever. That is where it goes into the next backstory. This character, I didn't start off with a backstory. I just went with it, and it worked perfectly. He turned out. I'll just skip ahead. He turned out to be a pirate kobold, who was attacked on his ship. Um, and as the captain, taken from his captain tree, was put into this maze as a prisoner to attack anyone that passes him. So he had hatred for humans, um, met the uh, caster, the caster promised not to kill him after he killed his other two teammates, and he joined the caster in an attempt to kill everything. <laughs> he also had a very awesome uh, accent. It was... That of a pirate, but I definitely don't remember how I did it well, so I'm just not going to go over it. <laughs> but it was it was spectacular until I was knocked out, and then the campaign never continued. <laughs> yeah, that was such a good character. College happened, unfortunately. Yeah, freaking school. I don't like school. Actually, I kind of like school. <laughs> anyway, so uh, Joey... The best character of all time in the ever of forever. Um, to understand, he, I used him twice, and the first time he actually didn't have a backstory. I came up with it for the second campaign. Uh, the character was originally created when we decided to sit down one day and play a short one-shot campaign. Uh, Finchikus here was our DM yet again. Brooksy uh, wasn't here for this one. Uh, two other friends of ours was playing. And... I had no idea what I wanted to be, so I rolled up a bunch of stats, 
and decided to play off of them. And after maxing out strength and dexterity, sorry, strength and fortitude and almost maxing out dexterity, and getting a three in intelligence and a four in wisdom, Gorunk was born. (laughs) (laughs) The name was also decided entirely by hitting random keys on a keyboard. Um... Oh my goodness. Um, later on... we ended up naming that one-shot, Gorong and his Hitty Stick, a love story. Yes, we did. The story is actually... Um, I'm not entirely happy with how it was written. Like, we, we derped a little bit when we were doing that. Yeah, but it was actually... But it was funny as hell. Yeah. But it's, it's on Funny D&D Stories, if you care to look. Um, FunnyD&DStories.com, for all of your Funny D&D Story needs. <laughs> Still swear, not being paid for this. Kids, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really wish we were. Um, so many advertisements. <laughs> we would make all of the money that we're not allowed to make. Um, mm. Later on, I used the character in a much, much longer campaign, and I ended up having to create a backstory for him. And at this time, it was it was after quite some time of playing. It was like a year and a half of playing. Maybe a year. I don't remember. And at this point, backstory was a huge deal for me. This is actually the main reason we're doing the episode. Because I love backstory, and I kind of shoved it down their throats. Um, and I was in this phase of I hate orphans. Because every other backstory I've ever heard involves the main character's parents dying or abandoning them. Isn't that how a epic character is created, though? Uh, a That's... hero? No. Quote unquote. No. Bad. Bad person. I mean, look at Batman. <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw. I saw. I'm completely tangent here. I saw a thing the other day. It was a picture of Batman pressing the button on his utility belt. There's a post underneath this. Is there anything that button can't do? Underneath that, save his parents. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, anyway, what were you going to tell us about Gorunk? Uh, Gorunk later got a backstory. And, well, Gorunk comes, is the middle child of 12. Um, and is so a member of... six and a half child? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that would mean he was the sixth. Six and a half, yes. Yes, that was intentional. Um, He was the middle child of twelve, born of the wisest and wealthiest of dwarven clans in his area. (laughs) Uh, And when he was a child, his father dropped him on his head down a mine shaft repeatedly. (laughs) (laughs) He just went down to the bottom, picked him back up, and dropped him again. It happened a couple of times. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, he was eventually... Gorunk himself was eventually uh, banned from the mining area after causing a multitude of cave-ins. <laughs> <laughs> resulting in the mass extermination of most of their clan. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, well, one night, when they were getting ready for dinner, his mother gave him a coin purse, tied it around his neck, and hid it under his beard so he wouldn't forget it. He ended up forgetting about it, by the way. But the entire campaign with no money because he couldn't remember the coin purse was there. 
God forbid. <laughs> um, and his mother sent him out to the sh- to the store to buy a gallon of milk, so she could finish preparing there. This was twenty seven years ago. <laughs> he got lost on his way to the market, and has been ju- has been searching the land in a quest for the infamous milk ever since. <laughs> At that point, he probably forgot where to go home. <laughs> um, Gorong, the reason I love Gorong so much is because his intelligence and wisdom were so low. Every single, t- every single time, any possible thing that he would have had to do ever came up, I did an intelligence check for him to see if he could remember how to do stuff. That resulted in... Also, accidental sneak checks were a thing. Robert? Shh. Are you playing Dungeons and Dragons? God damn it, Rob. (laughs) I am in the middle of a podcast. (laughs) We are recording. I need you to not talk. We're we're gonna have to edit this out later. Dungeons and Dragons? Yes. It's like stories, the fair maiden, and all this weird shit? Okay, ma. God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Don't add that. (laughs) I kind of want to keep it in there. (laughs) 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 Stories with the fair maiden. And all that weird shit. It's okay, I play the fair maiden every time. I'm the DM. Yeah, um, I considered. I actually considered once having a female character as my own, but it kind of felt weird. Uh, that's another thing on the list of things that I'm not allowed to do anymore. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, get, getting back on top. I'm just going to start at the beginning of that sentence, and we can cut chop most of that out. Um, let's see. Where was I? Um, went for a gallon of milk, never came back. <laughs> right. Um... Whenever something that he would have to do ever came up, I would make him do an intelligence check. That sounds familiar. Yes. <laughs> make him do an inte- make him do an intelligence check. And he he had a natural modifier of negative 8. <laughs> Wait. Minus 6 for the stat, minus 1 for his race. Oh. oh. <laughs> and... Oh, maybe it was a negative seven. I'm sorry. Anyway. Point being, he... I generally did... If he got above a ten, he succeeds. But he, he needed to roll a seventeen or higher to do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, for anybody that's wondering, this was a homebrew system. Yes. Two separate homebrew systems, uh, by the way. Uh, three, if you count the uh, one that we were working with uh, for Rob's story... Yeah. Um, so. God uh, damn it! Please do not be. Uh, please do not in, in, reinterpret what these numbers that we're giving you, um, because in D and D, I get. I don't think that you technically can have a negative seven on any of this. Well, yeah, this should absolutely be a thing. I don't know why it wouldn't be. It's clearly not a bad thing at all. <laughs> you fail all intelligence rolls. I think we actually, yeah, we actually did a test at some point during the original campaign and decided that the the shopkeep's broom was smarter than Gorung. 
I don't remember doing that, but okay. It could have been uh, in Chelsea's campaign. I remember this happening at some point in time. I don't know why, but every character I've ever made is ridiculously stupid. Mm-hmm. Hell, the goblins were smarter than Ronin. That's true. Okay. Or at least on par with him. Any so, Um. So those are a few examples of some interesting backstories, some things that we've played. So uh, now we should probably move on to the topic of uh, why backstories are important. Um, How they can make or break a character. Yeah. Uh, actually, they're kind. They, they really they are the character. Well, yeah, for obvious reasons. Yeah. Who are we but the sum of our past events? What the hell are you doing? Cookies. God damn it, Finnish. Are they at least soft cookies? I can no, hear the they've crunching. Got cheese, they've got cheesecakes in them. Oh my god. Why aren't you sharing? I wish you could put it through the screen to me. Damn it. <laughs> damn it. Um, nom, 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 nom. I'm sorry, Rob, I ate it. Uh, we never have anything like that. In old- I can email you a couple of cookies, Rob. God damn it, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so backstories. Um, um, how they make on. and break a character. Yeah. Uh, the first thing that I would say is what are the most important features of a backstory? For me, it's always been originality. I cannot accept characters that are cliche. They piss... It's gotten to the point where I see certain things so often, they really just irritate me. So the lawful stupid uh, paladin is not a uh, thing. Lawful stupid paladin? (laughs) The lawful stupid paladin. You've never heard that before? I've actually... I've never played with a paladin before. Oh, well... The lawful stupid paladin is a paladin with the lawful good um, uh, alignment who is so lawful and so good that people just call him lawful stupid because he never does anything that breaks the rules. And he will at times do things that he thinks are right even though they're completely freaking wrong just because he thinks they're right and because rules. Oh, so um, he's justified by his rules. Uh, yeah. So this is the character. Heretic, purge the unclean. So this is the so this is the character that when he sees a uh, a little child like steal an orange because he's starving, will will like pick the child up by the scruff of the neck and and you know discipline him strongly. Um, this is also the character that everyone hates because he kind of breaks everyone because nobody likes him. Yeah, I, I can see that getting annoying, just not being able to do anything. Yeah. Um, I don't know if any of you can see it, but I, I've posted like seven images of cookies. Yeah, I, I could tell. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so, personally. I'm hungry now. <laughs> right. So, the, the, the lawful stupid paladin, it's a thing. Uh, I've played with a couple of them. They're just annoying. <laughs> For me, the most annoying thing that I... I already mentioned it. The most annoying thing that I see in backstories are orphans. So I have played a number of campaigns with a number of different people, and out of the, like, 70 different characters I've seen, like, 60 of them were orphans. <laughs> I'm surprised by that. 
I don't think that we've had all that many orphans in our campaigns. Uh, I've never had an orphan. Uh, Chelsea's was an orphan. Becky's was an orphan. Uh, I don't know about Aragast. I don't really think he had a backstory. Aragast, no, Aragast did have a backstory. Um, not that he needed it. No, uh, that, that's actually a great segue. Let's talk about that. Um, Aragast is a good example. Aragast was a character from the very first campaign we ever played. He was a completely OP dwarf fighter who, well, OP at low levels at least, and we didn't get to very extremely high levels. So at level three, he had like fifty something hit points. Um, yeah, again, homebrew system, so yeah. different rules than people are used to. This In was on case, average at level three. Everyone else had like eighteen. Actually, I had twelve. Someone else had nine. Hmm. No, he must not have had like fifty, but no, in, he, in had, he had somewhere between forty and fifty. In any because case, everyone else was rolling a d four for health. Um, nice. Basically, the uh, the campaign was kind of centered around him, but we weren't really sure what exactly his backstory was. I I'm I'm pretty sure he didn't really have one. His character. Yeah. His character had a life all of his own. It was played by a friend of ours. I don't know if we should mention him by name. Um, I'm going to call him Applejack for now. <laughs> so Applejack <laughs> was playing... Applejack was playing Aragast, and... Honestly, the two... It felt like Aragast was everything that Applejack wanted to do, but he knew he would go to jail if he ever tried to actually do it in real life. That's a case of wish fulfillment in D&D, which uh, I know that some people don't like that, but personally I do. I think that it's perfectly okay. I don't see a problem. It, it worked for him because he came up with a character, he was playing with a character that really went over the top, and he made the campaign. Like you said, the campaign almost centered on him. Like, yeah, he, he was the leader. The the, he was the leader of the group be, for virtue of no one being able to stop him. Yeah. Um. So so, what are the qualities that make a character a good character despite not having a backstory? And how could a character be improved by a backstory? And how could a backstory, if possible, could it, could a backstory hurt a character? Orphans. Um, no. Well, still having a. What is that? That is um, my mom playing the drums. God damn it, Rob. I am sorry. Um, so, what exactly can a backstory do for a character? What could a backstory have done for our guest, Stalin Oskovich, uh, to make him a better character? I don't know if he could have. I think his only backstory was the fact that he had a brother somewhere, and he was a dwarf. Yes. Okay. His, his brother might also have been a dwarf. That was actually never elaborated on. No, it was. He was. He was definitely a dwarf. You guys met him in the campaign. I, okay. I was being facetious. <laughs> anyway, um, so what could a backstory... Uh, what if a, if a backstory didn't add to, or couldn't have added to Aragast's character and made it more enjoyable, why do backstories in most cases make characters more enjoyable to play? Um, um, for me, I enjoy backstories because they allow you to solidify a character. It allows you to bring out that personality, but it allows you to 
stick to a single personality, which is an issue that I... Consistency, thank you. It is mm-hmm. a thing that I see in some... I have seen a couple of people who play characters without backstories. They just make a character and start going at it. And then it's just... you end up The person ends up trying to make a Mary Sue. Yeah. Where they will just try to be good at everything whenever the situation arises. And a backstory tends to negate that somewhat. Yeah. Um, but at the same token, you can have characters that don't actually divulge their backstory, but still have one. That's um, that's something I really enjoy. That's, that's actually that's something I've done with a lot of characters. But the the point is they still have a backstory at that point. Yeah. Yeah. So it just helps to round out what they how they actually react to certain things because of their past. So it's kind of like the 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 backstory gives you a guidebook on who the character is and how they will react to certain things. Yes. I think that from a DM's perspective it also helps to have characters with backstories because you can really tie the characters into the campaign and make it more personal. And you know what they are going to do. You know how to respond. Well, it uh, that's not entirely true. It's well, really maybe not, but it to make it like I'll give you an example. Um, I am playing currently in a campaign uh, in my avatar campaign that I spoke with you guys about last time, um, and. DMing that, I have characters with varying levels of backstories. I've got one character that's just from the Southern Water Tribe, and that's all we basically know. Um, the character's named Hay, and all we know about Hay is basically you. that he's gay, and he comes from the Southern Water Tribe. That's about it. Um, then we've got another character named Kohaku, and Kohaku is... is he is... His, his mother was murdered, his father disappeared, and he was raised by his uncle. Yes, I know, orphans. Don't. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm just going to let this one go. Um, Sometimes it fits. It's just I've seen it so much. It's so irritating. Yeah. Um, but he would, it ties in because he was raised alongside his cousin, and his cousin and he were always butting heads. Um, and he didn't want to make them twins because that would be awkward, um, and it didn't fit to have them as twins, but he wanted them to be the same age. So he needed a cousin, and they're constantly competing for the uncle's attentions. Um, So um, he was raised poor, and he's, you know, struggling to uh, get back on his feet, so to speak. Um, And and it's a very in-depth backstory. It's very good. And I can work off of that, and I've been slowly trying to tweak it, uh, tweak the world to bring in some things that will affect him personal on a more personal level. Then uh, it hasn't it hasn't come to fruition, but there are a couple of subplots that are going to uh, hit. You know, eventually the shit is going to hit the fan, and his character's backstory is really going to be incorporated into the campaign. Uh, whereas with a character like Hey. I, as the DM, can't make it as personal for him because, well, his character, the, the character is being played by a, a girl, so I can't make, I can't tailor it to fit her uh, and her character because it, there's nothing to tailor it to. Um, so, as a DM, I know I prefer characters with backstories uh, because they add that level of uh, personal interaction. So as as players, um, have you guys had that experience with DMs? 
And if so, what was that experience like? Did you like it? Um, I mean, um, backstories are very useful. I've had one DM. We never got to do the story, but my backstory was about to tie into the entirety of the story. And I didn't even intend for that, but it worked out. And it didn't bother me. It was just what was going to happen. It was a Call of Cthulhu campaign. And my character had been in a um, zombie war. He was a Russian Cossack, one of the great horse fighters. And he, of a couple thousand Cossacks, there was three left, and he was one of them. And he was so distraught and mentally destroyed from the war that he only saw people as zombies. And he was looking for his brother, who was also a survivor but went off in his own direction. And what he thought was reality and what actually was was two different things. He thought his brother became a zombie and that there was a cure for it and that he could find him and save him. In reality, his brother was trying to escape him because he was batshit nuts <laughs> and saw people as zombies. So anytime people did a yawning sound or <laughs> he flipped out and beat them to a pulp. Wow, that's a really interesting. So, so really do you cool think backstory. that the fact that the, the DM managed to tie in that backstory with the, the campaign, did that help you? Um, as a character, to get into character, did it make it more enjoyable for you? The um, game it, was actually never played, was it? No, but I did know the intention. Um, the brother was going to be used as the main antagonist, and as soon as my <laughs> character saw the brother, he would have had a mental breakdown, and I would have had to play that out, and it would have been wonderful. It just would have or been homicidal. difficult. It just would have been difficult for everyone else. Yeah. Um, so I uh, he would have, as we call in the professional business, flipped a buttered fuck crumpet. <laughs> so, so I think that's one of the great advantages of having a uh, strong backstory, uh, which is that you can really incorporate it into the campaign world, and, like I said, make things more personal. Uh, was, I'm sorry, I'm gonna cut in here. There was actually one time when I was DMing a game for a couple friends of mine before they went off to school. Uh, it was a buddy of mine who just wanted to start playing the game. Like, she'd never played before. It was her and her boyfriend. And I was sitting down, I was like, oh, campaign making, what am I doing? This was like the first or second time I ever DMed a game. Second time I ever DMed a game. I keep forgetting that Call of Cthulhu game. <laughs> um, um, collecting my thoughts. Bacon bits. <laughs> right. The There was an overarching plot line, but I was trying to figure out a way to get the players immersed in the plot line, mm -hmm. and it wasn't going so well. Like, I was just... I, I couldn't get a way to connect it. And eventually, I caved and just said, okay, guys, send me your backstories, and we can play this tomorrow. And they sent me... The, when they sent me their backstories, I read over both of them. I was like... Oh, this is good. And I ended up changing 
certain aspects of the plot. Like, I changed who the main bad guy was. I changed a lot of things around. Mm-hmm. And the plot ended up becoming almost directly linked to both of them mm-hmm. in a way that... Honestly, it would not have happened if I hadn't known their backstories. And they probably probably would not have enjoyed the game as much as they had if I hadn't done that. That's when having a um, personal uh, D&D session works. Because... If there's less people, it works perfectly fine to have them immersed more Wait, by can, their personality and their. You, you uh, can do that in bigger groups too. It's it's kind of more difficult. Though. It's it's yeah. harder mostly because a lot of times when you incorporate characters from backstories, they're primarily going to be interacting with the people, you know, who they know, and that means that the rest of the the, you know, group is going to be sitting there watching. For me, it worked because. Um, the, the main, the, the, my, my good friend, uh, she mentioned two people in her backstory that she only mentioned in passing that were supposed to have significant relationships with her, mm-hmm. but she never solidified their personality or anything about them, said, hey, can I mess with these? Like, yeah, sure, I don't see why not. And I brought back her, it was her father and her brother. Hmm. Her father had died. And her brother had gone missing. So I brought back her brother. But he was an asshole. <laughs> and, admitting, and admitted to killing her father. Wow. Yikes. Uh, they, found, they found out later on that... The, the, um, the, I'm going to go into the campaign now. It's the best way to describe it. The campaign, they kind of... Throughout some experimentation, they ended up picking up work as mercenaries. Mm-hmm. They ended up having two... I only set up three different hits for them, which didn't end well. And the first two were actually my first two D&D characters. Where the one guy was nicking a thing and then just ran the fudge away. Mm-hmm. And he was violently, violently murdered. And then they had to go fight Gorunk. Which definitely would have been... Um, they almost months. died. They almost died. Definitely would have but been... But it was a very intense fight, and they both enjoyed it. The third one was a wizard that I had come up with. I set up his spells beforehand, but he was a serial killer, essentially. <laughs> but he was an illusionist, and whenever he oh would kill, goodness. whenever he would kill someone, he would cast. He it was I, I used the spell list that you that you used for the original rule set. And I was just going through the list, like how can I abuse this? <laughs> There's one here that lets him change his form, something of his own race. So. Okay, so he's going to go around killing people, and when he does, he's going to take over their form. He's going to start walking around as the last person he killed. Damn. And they find they actually never got to finish the game. They had to go home. It was a very long session. The go-around fight took a little longer than I expected. Oh, wait, that was a one-shot? It was a one-shot. It didn't finish. It it was really short. It just kind of went one right into the other. It sounded like it was a couple days at least. It, we, well, we were playing for like eight hours. Um, right, so, so the but, advantages of backstory uh, in in yours. You're rude. I'm, I'm rude. I wasn't done. Oh, okay. Go on. It, it's it's the important. It's where it finally links to the importance of the backstory. Okay. There was a point to all of this. They find out later on that the wizard homicidal maniac had taken on the form of her brother. Oh. Oh wow. 
That's okay. I'm glad that I waited for that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that so works out. Yeah, it worked really well, and they got both got really invested in the campaign. So yeah, the advantages, sense. so the advantages of uh, backstory are really only present though when a DM takes a, takes yes. advantage of them. Yes, so, that's entirely true. So why don't we talk briefly uh, about uh, two different things? Actually, uh, you know what? Um, that's not entirely true, because sometimes the advantage of backstory isn't for the DM to take advantage of it, but for the player to take advantage of it. Yeah. Such is the case with Old Man Henderson. Oh, God. Oh, God. Uh, all right. So, I think it was Finch that showed it to me. I think so. I'm and sure. Joe, you showed it to me. A character in a... I have read this thing like 17 times. I keep showing it to people. Um, I actually have the page up right now. Um, there is a character who was from a Call of Cthulhu campaign who may be the only person who has ever won Call of Cthulhu ever, and he, he didn't just, like, win a campaign. He won the game forever. <laughs> he got four in a row. His name was Old Man Henderson. He never actually had a first name. Uh, That's true. He, he was never given a first name. Uh, the player was pissed at his DM. Um... His last, his, uh, the DM was prone to those like instant kill, completely unavoidable death things. Whenever he didn't like a character, his last character was crushed by a was cursed and crushed by a horse that fell out of a plane. Because that's feasible. Yes. Falling rocks. Horses fall. Everyone dies. <laughs> and. Uh, just to clarify, last time we spoke about one-shots and how sometimes it's okay for the rocks to fall, but this was not a one-shot. This was not a this was not a broken character. It was just a character that the DM didn't like. This was an incredibly extended campaign, too. I think this took over a year. Mm -hmm. And the DM just dropped the horse on him. Mm -hmm. This was his third character that had been killed in that way as well. That specific way. Well, not not specifically like that, but <laughs> okay. killed in these instagib traps. Yeah. Um, so he got really pissed. He actually refused to play for the rest of the session. Then he went home, and no one heard from him for a week. Oh. His friend went to go pick him up. He got in the car and drops a binder on his friend's lap. like, this is my new character. It was... I'm trying to find the exact number. I think it was over... 320-page backstory. That justified everything from his casual knowledge of physics to his ability to speak Portuguese flawlessly. Uh, please note that this is not something that we're endorsing. Uh, please don't. Do I this definitely am. I, if a DM is an asshole, I fully endorse this. Also, uh, on a complete side note, uh, this is not going to happen in most campaigns because usually those kinds of mechanical benefits can't just be justified in a backstory. They have to be bought with like experience points or something like that. So you're not going to be able to start out with a character like that. The, the, reason, it, the reason it worked here is because Call of Cthulhu's uh, character creation system is based more so on backstory than point allocation. Yeah. Where he could he could get away with this, and the main reason for this was he he, he the backstory itself was three hundred and twenty pages, but he actually had somewhere in the ballpark of like three hundred and sixty, and whenever something bad came up, he would start switching out pages when no one was looking. 
to justify whatever he was doing, so he could change his backstory at will. He did it because he had three reasons for it. One, to ensure that the GM would never actually read it. Two, since he would never read it, except for in excerpts I pointed out to justify things, I could rewrite it and change things around completely at random without anyone noticing, and most importantly, convince everyone that I was serious about this character and that it wasn't simply in a game-wrecking bullshit that it was. <laughs> I was reading that verbatim, by the way. That, that, that was I did not actually make this character. So, in, in we're not going to tell the whole story of Oldman no. Henderson. Uh, basically, if anyone's interested, we can link it. Link it. Yeah, basically, Oldman Henderson was uh, a character that ended up killing most of the other PCs, either <laughs> accidentally or on purpose, depending on the PC in question. And uh, I, don't th- I don't think he ever actually did it intentionally. No. It was more he shot a shotgun and the guy happened to walk in front. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. There was one. There was one PC that he killed intentionally because. Uh, well, anyway, please read the right. story on your own. Basically, um, the 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 point that we were trying to emphasize here uh, is the backstory, and the backstory for this character was absolutely ludicrous. Um, and in this case, I guess it was to the player's advantage, though I, I think that that's. Uh, a case where backstory becomes prohibitive and problem-causing in the typical game. Uh, I still feel he was justified here. It, yeah, I still I still feel fully justified um, in this. I I'm not going to publicly endorse it, but in I, uh, that in that exact case, can sort of understand it. If it was a more if it was a more jokey game, if it was a more campy game, then maybe. But the, the it was a very serious campaign that he managed to turn into a campy campaign, uh, all on his lonesome. So uh, there's actually uh, someone may have heard about it in passing, but because of this, there is actually a scale in existence called the uh, the Old Man Henderson scale of plot derailment. God damn it! Or yeah. I think it was just called the uh, the Henderson scale of plot derailment. It's kind of like the. Uh, but I'm thinking the 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 seismic scale. What is it called again? I Richter scale. Yeah. Richter scale. Thank you. It's kind of like the Richter scale, but with Hendersons. <laughs> so um, that is one of the examples where a uh, a player can take advantage of a character. Completely backstory. ruin everything. I think that's the term you were looking for. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I'd like to talk now briefly about how. Players can make backstories that they, you know, what, how, what kind of advice can we give players on making backstories that will make it more enjoyable to play their characters, um, and make it easier for their characters to be incorporated into the campaign, and also how uh, some advice for DMs on how to exactly incorporate those characters into the campaign. So let's start out with the uh, players um, um, and the advice I- therein. I actually have to go for a quick second, so I'll be right back. Okay. You can continue without me. Okay, so let's start out talking about the uh, players and how, uh, what, what kind of advice we can give players on constructing a, a good backstory. Well, uh, one idea I wanted to mention was, what's your opinion? Um, preempted backstories or on the spot? Uh, that depends on the campaign. I think that... Uh, yeah. I've made about 17 characters so far, 
and it's all based on what the possibility I roll up as a character will be. If I happen to roll up one style, and it would be of uh, Rogue, I have a Rogue class character that I have a backstory for. Okay, so you kind of pre-make your backstories uh, before, before, like you have a, a, a stash of possible backstories and then whatever you roll your character up as. Um, that is, again, that depends on the campaign and how you want to run it, uh, because I've run a lot of campaigns where you make the characters beforehand, uh, before you play, uh, and there are some campaigns where everyone yeah, wants to get together, and you know you roll up your your characters as uh, as a group so that you can have that group dynamic uh, going, uh, which is probably going to be something for a later episode. Uh, so, uh, in my opinion, I I think that you can get more details uh, if you can tailor the character specifically to the campaign. If if everyone rolls up their characters beforehand and then talks about their backstory uh, together, you know, how their group met and everything like that. Uh, if everyone works together to make a, a group backstory and then an individual backstory, and uh, they know the campaign worlds, at least to a limited extent, then you can really make uh, an immersive character backstory. Um, although I know not all Interrupt the... Interrupt the Sorry, please although, continue. Although I know not all DMs do this, for obvious reasons, but I personally like it when instead of the characters coming up with a backstory for how they all met, they actually do that. They like in game, in game, uh, figure out how to make it that they meet, and it sometimes determines like why they hate each other, why they like each other, why they're still around each other. I a, a brief a brief aside there. I'm currently playing in a D&D campaign, and we're switching off the job of DM. So I DM sometimes, and sometimes other people DM. And we actually have multiple parties in the same game world, which is really, really freaky. Um, it's, it's really fun, actually. Um, and the, the biggest problem, I think, with that is that, for example, my character just entered... I, I, I rolled up a new character for... Uh, one of our alt parties, and my character just just met the party and didn't know any of them, didn't know how they worked, etc., etc., etc. And we we got this mission. We went off, and to accomplish this mission, we had to kill the the queen of win of uh, summer, right? And we get there, and one of the party members was uh, uh, saying, you know was basically didn't betray us, but kind of made it look like she was betraying us. And my character didn't know her character at all. Like, this character at all. My character didn't know her at all. So my character's instantaneous response was, I'm going to attack. So in the middle of... Well, right before the big boss fight, my character starts killing another party member. <laughs> and they, it called this caused this massive rift in the party, and now there's there are two halves to this party, and it's PvP. We're playing in a PvP campaign now because uh, the the other party members um, that decided to go with her all all ended up joining with the Queen of Summer and escaping, and I'm staying loyal to the people that were that originally hired us, along with a couple of other characters. Uh, so a big problem there is that you can actually have 
campaigns where the party just doesn't mesh and the characters just don't get along. And yeah. now you have two parties. That's something you run the risk of doing in any campaign, though. Like, you can either force people to get along or you can let them do that and see what happens. I, yes and no. Because if you have established character relationships, then they're less likely to do that and, you know, kill each other. What if uh, their established character relationship is, I'm going to murder the living shit out of you? That... But you, you can't even say that we... We've done this, Finch! Yeah. <laughs> it ended but, poorly. But at the same token, I think that it, it gives you more more control as a D, as a DM it gives you more it, it makes the campaign more predictable because you you run less of a risk of that happening and you can it, I mean if if this was something that we had all planned for this kind of party rift it would probably have been made for an easier transition than now when we're kind of scrambling and it's like oh well it looks like we're going to be designing in character dungeons for the other party well, I mean, um, if a DM's capable of creating two separate campaigns within the same world so that when one thing does one thing, it still exists, and if they ever go to that area, it happened. Yes, just one yeah. thing. yes, yes. So yes. I'm but, thinking of the head of Vishnu now. Yes. Is it story time? Um, I think that... I don't know if we're going to have time. I think that we'll, ha we'll, we'll get back to this specific, this specific topic in a later uh, right. episode. But um, basically, what I wanted to say was that if if the character uh, if the party has has interacted before, if you establish the relationships in as a, a party backstory, then you're going to have less of a chance of that happening. And I think that that That's is true. yeah, and it, it's kind of preferable in most campaigns unless you want to spend a lot of time working on you know running two campaigns simultaneously in the same world. Uh, I think that it's a little it's more beneficial. It's incredibly difficult, but yeah, or to at least have the characters, the the players cooperate so that their characters will harmonize at some level. You know, they have a reason to be there. Uh, so I think at that point, I that, would just pit them directly against each other. I mean, that happens. is perfectly acceptable to make it that they have a reason to stay to around each other yeah. and a reason to not kill each other. But at the same token, to still give them the chance to get to know each other from in-game and to figure out why they do or don't like the person and from there figure out what they want to do while they're still trying to achieve the goal with the person they don't like or do. The enemy of my enemy is a problem for later. So, uh, so as... Uh... As uh, so that that's kind of I think that those are our thoughts on whether you know you should create you know group backstories etc etc etc. I'd like to t now uh, close up with a discussion of appropriate backstories, um, how to make them, and how as a DM to incorporate them into the campaign um, because we are running a little over time right now. Of course, I think we've been at this for almost an hour now. Yeah. So, backstories. Um, advice to players. Uh, I would say my first advice is to pick a central part of your character and focus on that. So, in in the case of my example from before, my pixie, 
I wanted to create a character that stole names. Uh, I wanted that to be his central feature, and then I built a, a backstory around that. And I think that you can uh, build backstories around a central idea for the character, and after that, branch out into some of the deeper emotional stuff if you want. Um, but just have one trait that makes your character unique. And do you have any advice for DMs? I figure we could just take this uh, down the line. Oh, okay. Um, as far as DMs go, once you receive your character's backstories, uh, well, first of all, when, you, when you're designing the campaign, you should keep a couple of NPC slots open and make NPCs that, uh, like, generic NPCs that can be filled by any, like, almost any type of character role, and then insert, the, insert characters from those backstories into the campaign so that your, your, your characters are seeing, you know, characters that they, they know NPCs that they know in character, but that the players might not know, uh, and then have that interaction. Um, another thing is that you probably want to make sure that every single character has a reason to be there. So if you get, it's it's perfectly okay as a DM to to get a backstory and then go send it back and say, hey, I need you to expand upon this. I need you to tell me why did you leave your village? Why are you doing this? Da, 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 da. Uh, or to um, amend the backstory and have the world influencing the character before the campaign starts. So for the Avatar campaign, I had everyone receive a letter uh, that, that was an invitation to the, to the wedding that they, where they all were going to meet. Um, so that was, their, that was the, the method of getting them all into the same place and uh, giving them all the fish-out-of-water treatment. Uh, so... You, those are those are two really important things. Having those generic NPC slots that can be filled by anything from anybody's backstory, and then having some kind of thing that happens to all of them, or a reason to get them together in the backstory, um, that's really central. Uh, Very nice. Um, for me, for the players, the best advice I can give is none. Have some fun with your characters. I'm I'm sure you can tell by now, but I am not the kind of player that takes the game overly seriously. I, I play the game to have fun, and that's what it's there for. And your character should be something that you will enjoy. Something that you will like playing as. And that's, a, that's something that backstory is a great thing for. You can just sit down and say, this is something I always wanted to do. Um... I, I kind of want to pull an example here. So, short well, I was story. Gonna say, I was going to Go say, ahead. you don't always want to have a character do what they specifically, as a person in real life, would, would want to do in the world. World just wouldn't because of laws mm. and such. You, you could, it, a, a character, I think, is a way of exploring alternative personalities, different ways of life. It's it, you know exploring different things. I think I think that yeah. inserting yourself into a totally different person's shoes is just as fun as wish, wish fulfillment or anything else. I actually do have good advice, and I can't believe I didn't think of doing this, or saying this earlier. This is like, this is like a 20 out of the 20 kind of advice. Don't be an orphan. Try and be original. Originality makes a big part of the backstory. It's 
you can always pull a character from a book or from a movie, and sometimes it's actually a good idea. Sometimes you'll you'll see a character that no one's ever seen before, and it'll make for it's an interesting way to expand on something that you already enjoy. Especially small side characters that you really want to explore a little bit more. Um, that, I am you know, now. I'm sorry to cut you off. I am now going to make a full character for the Cabbage Man. That would be epic. That would I'm, be absolutely terrific. I actually uh, had a. I'm, I'll get, I'm just going to keep cutting you off. It's what I do. Uh, I have a friend at the lounge who I don't remember the name of the book or the character, but he, w- he was reading a long series of books, and there was one character in the entire book who had a grand total of two lines of dialogue and was in the book for about two chapters. But he had one of the... He, he was plot-intensive, if he hadn't be, if he hadn't been there at that time, the plot would not have progressed, and he ended up taking that character and using him as a character, fully expanding on him and doing something really really cool with him. It's like seeing what would have happened if he had more than two lines of dialogue. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's what I mean when I say that you can take characters from like small mar- on, on the margin and then expand them to full full characters in a uh, campaign. If you're really stuck for an idea, roll a couple dice, make a go runk, see what happens. That's another good point. I think it's a lot of fun to generate uh, strict characters. For those of you who don't, who don't know what strict rolling is, um, it's when you keep the stats in order of your rolls. So uh, in D&D, that means that your first roll is going to be for strength, your second is going to be for dex, uh, and so on and so forth. So... That's I've, a really great way of generating a, you know ideas for characters. I've personally, I, I never really liked those systems. It's it's intri- it's something that I would do if I didn't already know what I wanted to play. But if I'm going in wanting to play a character and then I get screwed over by roles, it's just upsetting. Exactly. Yeah, I feel like you don't know what character you want to play. If yeah. You don't know what character you want. To play. I, I don't. I don't like it when DMs demand things like that, which is mm-hmm. a discussion that we can have another day. Yeah. I mean, that's the reason I had my uh, retarded assassin, uh, for lack of better terms. I think that was because just I ran out of places to put twos. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly, but intelligence really did me in, and that's why I, the character pretty much died in that sense, because he didn't know because what he was doing. He died because he steamrolled around a corner into a group of hungry kobolds. <laughs> 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 well, intent. Well, intelligence did have a small fraction to do with that. You had a knife, fuzzy. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, um, sharp teeth. <laughs> so, what would your advice be to DMs on incorporating uh... to DMs? Yeah. Um, I'm going to say what I usually do when incorporating backstory for your NPCs, which is something we actually never talked about. That can be another discussion some other day. We'll talk about player backstory today. Um, If you're talking about your NPCs, characters that are plot-intensive, characters that your players are going to be interacting with a lot, should have an established backstory. It should be something that you are... I say this because you can go into it knowing who this character is and have a better idea of how they're going to respond to certain situations. Meanwhile, with other characters, things that they shouldn't really have to interact with or things that they won't be seeing much, 
you can just kind of, if you're good on your toes, you can come up with it on the spot. And in some cases, those end up being the most original and some of the best, most memorable characters. Like, I think for us, our most memorable character of all time was Biddles. <laughs> and I'm going to leave it at that, because we're going to save this story time for another day. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so, Rob? Yes. Um, oh. Um, advice for uh, people. I would say just try and... Not, hold on one second. Uh, Rob just lost his tongue, and he is unable to talk anymore. All right. So what right, he is—he was going. No, you're you're quiet. You're, you're you can't talk anymore. Remember, I, I just told him you lost your tongue. Joey, Joey, Joey. I know. <laughs> I would just say, do. So hard to be an asshole these days. I would say literally. If you are to do something random, perfectly fine to come up with the backstory as you go. Just try and be consistent. Consistency is what makes people happy, and it works out for everything in one. Because it, it just makes it easier to work around. And I'm sorry, I'm cutting in here again. Something I forgot to mention. Try to keep away from the Mary Sues. If you don't know what yeah, that is, it's, be... a, it's a character that is good at everything. Like, a character that is intentionally good at everything and has no faults. Oh, I That's thought really by Mary Sue. Mechanically. <laughs> ah, it's possible. Or you can try and play it out like that regardless of your stats. And no one likes that kind of character. No one likes playing with that kind of character. I, I guess I thought... that what we should emphasize is that your character should have flaws. Yeah. I th um, Something that I do during my character creation, and it's something that makes up most of my character creation is that instead of creating a character and then coming up with his traits I come up with a character flaw or two and then base a character around it that's actually um, not necessarily flaw wise but I usually will set up a theme and from the theme of what I want where the person came from or what the person will be doing, or even uh, the class, or just the race. I start off with a theme, and from there build the character. Yeah, yeah. Which which harkens back to what I was saying before about coming up with like a central thing that makes your character unique, and then working off of that. Yeah. Uh, Having a character that you want to fulfill a specific role, and then creating a character that will fit that specific role. Um. So, uh, do you have any advice to DMs? Oh, I don't know if you've DM before, have you? He is in the process I, of, I believe he's trying to DM a game. I really want to DM a game, but my only problem is I'm more of a randomized generator kind of guy. And he is he is trying to create a generator for the game. Like there, are full, actu hmm? there actually are those kinds of things. Like roll a dice to see um, how many walls there is to one room. Roll a dice to see how difficult the room is. Roll a dice to see. Which I still want to. I still want to know what happens if you roll a one. <laughs> if you roll a one, there is literally an open field in front of you. What if you roll a two? There is an open field with a door. To wait, a wait, 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 wait a minute. If there is an open field, that means there's two walls. There's the floor and the wall from the room you just came from. Them. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, uh, 
So I'm guessing that you don't have much advice on incorporating backstory into uh, your DNA if you're randomizing everything. Actually, I, this is the main reason we brought him here. From a player's perspective, what yeah. advice would you give to a DM? What's something that you um, enjoy seeing? I enjoy DMs who are capable of just incorporating everything. Being able to say, hey, uh, if you wouldn't mind, can you write down your backstory? Making the players happy in that sense, and then taking everything that the player put down and just seeing, hmm, well, I can I could see this in one point in the story if he makes it that far, and I can see this in, in one part of the story if uh, he's still alive. I, I say right. that because my characters usually die very quickly, but that's just because <laughs> I'm terrible. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, this has been a great, great discussion. Uh, thank you guys for listening, if you've listened this far. Uh, I cast are... Banished DM! All right, looks like I'm banished. Yes. All right. That means I'm in charge um, now, right? <laughs> we All have right. to play rock, paper, scissors to choose which one of us uh, DMs. So, uh, I feel like... This is something we should do sometime. We're going to have to cut this out later. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for creating more work. Um, something that we should try doing is just sitting down one day in a discussion like this and just playing a game of D&D and recording it. Uh, we can actually do that. Yeah, I know. We can, we can make a dice cam, for God's sakes. Um, actually, I'm going, I was going to uh, put up a link for you guys uh, as soon as this podcast is done um, because we can end the broadcast without ending the conversation and I, there's some stuff that I want to show you guys. So, uh, anyway, thank you guys for listening. This has been a podcast of Vanish DM. We are available on iTunes uh, under the name Vanish DM. We also have a WordPress at vanishdm.wordpress.com. All rights and, reserved. We are definitely not being paid for this. Yes. Uh, happy gaming. Yeah, keep, keep